Hi, Chris Plum, head coach and CEO of Carmel Swim Club. This is the Off the Deck podcast. Off the Deck champions, Carmel Swim Club's mission, teaching excellence through swimming for life. Carmel Swim Academy will provide an entry point for more children in central Indiana to have access to life-saving programs. It's true, drowning is the leading cause of injury-related death in children ages one to four, and the second leading cause of death in children five to nine. But there is hope. Participation in formal swimming lessons can mitigate the risk of drowning by 88%. We are compelled to use our expertise in swimming to make our community safer and to ensure every child has the opportunity to learn to swim. We're looking for sponsorship, we're looking for dollars. This is a fundraising opportunity for everybody out there. And we wanna make a difference in our community and we want to uh, save lives. So to learn more, visit www.carmelswimacademy.org. And Off the Deck is also sponsored by Gain Swimming. Gain Swimming is the gold standard in dryland training. We do call consults. Some of the best clubs in America are currently using uh, Gain Swimming. And we've had over 10 Olympians, US Olympians, who've done some sort of Gain Swimming training. So. To learn more, visit www.thegainnetwork.com slash gainswimming. Very excited for today's guest. He's, uh, I've known him for quite a long time, maybe 10, 12 years. He's uh, been involved with us on some level for a long period of time, done a great job. He's written seven books. He's been helping people and I think um, had a lot of great conversations and he's helped me in my coaching and I think I've helped him in, in his world. So. Please welcome to the podcast the one and only Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob Bell, how are you doing this morning? Coach, to be on uh, Off the Deck, man, it's uh, it's an honor, man. I mean, you guys, I see how you do it on a relentless basis, so it's it's fantastic to be a part of it, man. I don't know if your listeners can't see it, but behind me there, man, I got the Carmel cap and uh, one, of the, one of the state championships up there, man. Yeah, I saw that, and I love the fact that we're uh, you have a master's flag and uh and a swim cap on your wall not many people have that rob oh this is my wall of fame man so every athlete man i get a chance to work with i, I put them up in some regard so they're all around here man that's yeah, that's, the best, so, that's the best part of what, what i do and i think it's the same thing for you right it's like the athletes motivate you to be the best version of yourself yeah that's a great way to put it i mean i think some of the best athletes i've always said they make me a better coach and they make me get better because they're always pushing my boundaries uh, in terms of like, what do I need to learn? What do I, how do I need to push them today? And like, I got to stay a step ahead. So uh, work with athletes is great. And you get to work with so many. So what's life like with you working with different kinds like swimmers, golfers, soccer players? Like what, how do you, how do you deal with the interaction or is it all the same at the end of the day? Oh man, everyone is totally different. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had my own business now, um, for 12 years and, you know, I was, I was in academia and I was kind of doing that and, and trying to build up a consultant business and work with athletes, but I wasn't all in on either one. So, you know, I, I think we're either all in or in the way in, in one fashion or another. So when I left academia and started my own business, you know, the only thing I knew was working with athletes, but I think it's just evolved because, you know, anyone can go through the, the routines and the breathing and stuff like that, but to really touch an athlete's soul and what is it that they really want and their passion, that's what 
I just absolutely love to do. And the tough part is, you know, it's not seen, right? Like no one can actually see the heart of somebody, you know, they can go through the workouts. You can see them with that. And, and it's only when I think, and you get to witness it too, right? Coach, like, I mean, you'll see them, those moments that come through. And um, I'm just a firm believer, man, that, you know, it's definitely, it's not about the setback that happens in life. It's always about the comeback. And that's, that gets back to the human spirit and the resolve and the resiliency that people have and develop. And that's the best part about my job, man. And you're right, man. I get to work with so many different types of athletes that every athlete's different and it's about finding what, what is it that really, really drives them. And, and, and if, you know, fuels them on a daily basis. Yeah. So like, let's talk about that. I mean, you working, you're, you're, you're trying to find that passion, that heart for people and how do you do that and how do you recognize that and how do you bring that out of people when you're when you're talking to them and working with them because at the end of the day if your heart and soul and passion is in the sport is in what you're doing it's going to come out it's going to be evident and the results are going to show but like i think sometimes it's hard for people and their willingness to to do that so in your role how how do you bring that out of people yeah it's a good one so i mean i think the best part and that's where it comes down to, you know, fit is I'm, I'm certainly not the best, you know, mental coach for everybody. I think you, there has to be an athlete and a coach that, uh, that merge because I think the athlete coach relationship is number one, is the most important piece. You know, then you have the athlete and parent relationship. So you have a whole lot of different dynamics that are going on and I don't care if it's a pro athlete or not, right. The parent dynamic is still there. And so, I think being able to figure out like where the bodies are buried. And what I mean by that is, look, people have had so many different experiences, trauma, good events that have happened, pats on the back, adulation, celebration, all these things kind of lead into like, you know, who they are as a person. So the reason why I take that Magellan type route to this answer is because the relationship has to be built. And once the relationship gets built, once the athlete realizes that, man, the, you care about them more as a person and what they do is just something what they do, right? It's, it's not who they are. And when they can then uncover, man, their real identity and their real purpose, that's where I think then those tough conversations then really get had. And, you know, it comes back to one way or another, man, their identity. The difficult part in what I see is, right, it's a performance-driven sport, Every, every, I mean, every athlete's performance driven one way or another, we're getting back to that, which is fine. But if that's the only sole motivator of what somebody's working with, then they're only as good as their last performance right. and they're not going to ever be good enough. Yeah. Cause even when they reach that mountaintop coach, it's not for very long. And they've, they've got to have that foundation, that base that they work with. And those are where after the relationships get built, it's, it's having those, those deep conversations. Yeah. And I see it again and again with athletes. And I, I'm interested in this because you see athletes and they are their times and that's not what we want, right? Our goal is to teach them how to be great people and to learn about the process and to be able to, to take on setbacks and to learn and not be their performances because at the end of the day you, you still have to be you right you're and, and no one you know it's like you swim and or you play golf or whatever or you're a soccer player in your sport and like that's your whole life for 20 years 
And then a year after you're done, nobody cares. Right. No, nobody in the world cares that you were, I mean, people want to hire you because a swimmer, but no one goes like, oh, you got seventh in the NCAA in 1996. Like nobody cares. Like it's past that. So, but the lessons that we learned. So in your role, say somebody is coming in and talking to you and they're like, uh, all about their times. How do you help them see the bigger picture? And what are you, what are the things that you're working on? It's a good one coach. Cause like if old age only could, and if youth only knew, right. right? Yeah. Like we want to, we want to give them the answer sheet, but they don't yeah. want the answer sheet. You know, they want, I, I just think the process about it is, are they enjoying what they do? If they love what they do, then, then our job gets a whole lot easier. And it's not yeah. like every day is fun, but it's like the the growth and the grind and the process and really loving that, really loving the minutia of getting better. I think that love and that passion has to be there because if it's not one way or another, it's just not going to end well. Yeah. And I think that's the part we always got to get back to, man, is, you know, what, what parts of your sport do you really enjoy? What parts of yourself do you enjoy? And what is it you want to get better at? You know, and, and what is the goal? I think once we start working within the vision and help them create that vision, that vision uh, turns into a decision. And then it's a, and then it's a daily one. And uh, yeah. I always think that's, that's usually the best part to start, man. And, and then you have a lot of different ingredients come in there, right? Like again, coach athlete relationship, the social structure of the people that are around you. Um, and when you come home, whatever that home environment is going to be, man, I try to tell parents, let them talk about swimming. You don't need to keep asking them every single time. All right, well, how, how, how was practice? Like, you know, what, what, what was it today? Cause then once they start hearing that, and it's really tough, right. As a parent, I mean, we know, man, cause yeah. they, we, we just want to know. And the only difficult problem with that is um, what we're reinforcing is you're only as good as your performance. And, you know, that's why it's like, um, you know, being able to ask your kid, man, all right, what was a struggle today? Like, what did you fail at today? What was really tough? And how are you persevering through that? That's the skill that's going to last way beyond when, when sport's over. And sorry yeah. for the uh, tangents, man. I just get going on this stuff because, I mean, I love it, you know, and I love all the ingredients that go into it. Well, I love hearing about it. And I love, you can see you're passionate, but you're also skilled uh in this area and this is this is where you where you live right this is your domain and uh, i love hearing about it and i know from from golf especially i mean golf is probably the biggest mental game out there i mean all of us have hit great shots before who play we've all hit a great putt but how do you do it consistently so you know in the world of golf it's between it's between your ears right so what um what do you think you've taken away from that sport that, that really all the other sports need to learn? Compassion. I mean, compassion. If, if, uh, you know, if we think golf is easy, like, and I'm just never into really criticizing any athletes because from a, in, in professional athletes, mostly, you know, sometimes they're going to do some knucklehead things, stuff like that. But, uh, we, we have no idea. We have no idea what they are off the course. And all we do is we see what happens on the course. And all we're ever looking at is the top 0.1%, right? Um, and it is such a grind for individuals to do that, that, you know, having compassion for people 
is um, is probably the biggest thing. And it's like, even if you know golfers are listening to it, man, it's like the difference between a scratch golfer and somebody that's going to be a pro, right? It's the same thing as somebody that's, um, you know, at, at finals at the Olympics and somebody who is swimming in their, in, you know, collegiate conference finals. Huge yeah. difference. Yeah. And um, it's just being able to have respect for the stuff that's out of your control and that no matter what, it's getting back to the things that are in our control and and how we're approaching that. Because that that is one sport that no matter how tough you are, will beat you down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I wouldn't say I'm an avid golfer, but I, I play when I can. And, you know, I played just recently in South Carolina and I played some a, a tour course. And like, you make one bad shot and the hole's gone, right? Like, you're a two foot short and next thing you know, you're in this bunker and it's above your head. And you got to go backwards and then you go forward. Like, so, you know, I think I learned humility in that time and respect and, and, but like, how do you not get upset or what are you teaching people when they do make a mistake and how do you deal with those things? Cause we're all going to make them. It's inevitable. Like something bad is going to happen in practice in your day in your sport. So what are some of the tools you're teaching and using to help athletes when, when something does go wrong? Coach, I'm not the right person to ask about this one. To be honest, man, you know it's not it's not my skill. I mean, I I think if you show me an athlete that can let go of mistakes and can move on and rebound, I'll show you somebody that's mentally tough. Yeah, it's not my skill set. My skill set, the only thing I'm really good at, coach, is just not giving up. Um, but yeah, I mean the uh, the emotion that that comes into play with that, and and if you look at it, it's like, man, you can have a really bad set in tennis. It can be horrible. You cannot win one point. The set resets. You're on to the next right. set. In golf, you know, especially at the highest level, right? I mean, a double bogey, one bad shot is is making the difference. And yeah. you know, we always say the same thing: like one shot is never it, but one shot is it. And um, you know, those are just really tough. I think the only way that the mentality or the mental game works in general is if that is the goal heading into what we're trying to do. So what I mean is, is like, even, even with swimming, like if, if somebody's time is just staring them in the face the whole time, then that's, that's, what's going to be the focus. If they are committed to, you know, racing, if they're committed to, Hey, no matter what happens, um, I'm going to commit to my race plan. I'm going to stay with my race plan. Like if that becomes the goal, then, then we can do that. So in general, like even with the mental game, like, man, no matter what, I'm going to enjoy this moment. I'm going to enjoy what we're doing. Then we can do it. The problem is, is the mental game always takes sort of a back seat to, you know, a contingency, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to have fun as long as, as right. long if I'm doing okay. You know, as long if that first race goes well, as long as, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing well. And yeah. that's where the mental game doesn't take place. So it has to be the focus. And once it becomes the focus heading in, then, then we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think having a plan and sticking to a plan and then getting, staying on track is just, it's just so critical for success. And you see it in athletes um, all the time and, and that commitment to their plan is just, I do think that is the separator, right? Those who can, who can figure out or adjust afterwards, right? Like that, come back to their coach after a race 
and said, well, here was my plan. Here's where I went wrong. And here's what I'm going to work on next time. Those I think are the people who, who get to become successful. Um, yeah, absolutely. I believe champions adjust. Champions adjust. Yeah. Right. Like you've got to know the surroundings and figure it out and adapt. I think like resourcefulness too, right? Like using your resources and adjusting, you know, you go to a pool, it might be cold. You might be in lane one, you know, you go to a course, it might be windy. You know, if you're playing soccer, like I, I have like soccer players, right? I don't know how they go from grass to, to turf like that. I mean, yeah. it's a different game, right? So you yep. always got to adjust. So, um, I know you personally are, are dealing with some mental toughness things as you're about to run a hundred miles in a month. What, how are you doing that and preparing for that? And why, why are you doing that? Well, that's the question, right? Is why? Yeah. Um, because no matter what, like you're, I think we ask ourselves that question, why am I out here? Right. When it's really, really tough. Well, why am I doing this? Yeah. And same thing, that question needs to be answered before it's even asked The the why right. do it, you know, my family's a big part of it, coach. You know, I want my kids to really see and witness that no matter what it is that you want, like you can go get it, you know, and that's going to be really tough. The, uh, I, I always get, I mean, I get my confidence from my preparation and I think the preparation has been there. Um, but it's, it's literally, and then some people, I think we rely on it a little bit too much because the pre preparation sometimes is going to go bad. Every practice is going to be great, you know? Yeah but it comes down to then on race day. And I think you and I are in the same cloth when it comes to this, right, man, we want, we want racers. We want competitors. We want somebody, man, I don't care what happens. I'm going to finish. And that's, that's going to be the mentality. And I know that's definitely it. And there'll be some people, man, that disagree with it. Right. But I will die or I will finish that race period. Even if it's going to be a time cutoff, I'm going to finish it. They will not be uh, dragging me off that. And that's when it comes down to. And I think then when we have no other options, we, we get it done. And the simple is powerful. We just got to keep it as simple as that. And then everything else is, man, well, what is leading to that? And what, what's going to um, help you out? You know, mentality, like bad stuff's going to happen in this hundred, right? I mean, I've in my training, I've puked many, many times. And, um, you know, I've had, in especially my training, what happens, right? It's like, I just ran 30 miles and I'm done. How in the world am I going to run another 70? And we do that in our preparation, our practice, right? It's like, man, yeah. whatever it is, man, it's like, man, if, if I can't do it here, how am I going to be able to do it there? But then the thing is, is you and I spoke about that, right? It's like, today's not the day. It's preparation yeah. and it's training. You know, you're still in scientist mode, figuring out what works. And then it's just knowing yourself and knowing that mentality, what it comes back to. And, you know, there've been some experiences, man, that in life I can go back to knowing that, Rob ain't going to quit. And then that's really all you got to do when it comes to that race. Yeah. And I love, um, I think there's a, a quote and I'm not going to get it right, but it's like commitment is freeing. Like when you're committed, all your decisions are made for you, right? You're not making decisions because you're doing this, right? right? Yep. And then I think that's, and I've seen that in athletes and people it's like when they're committed, you just feel it, you know it and, and, things are going to happen. And those are the, the kind of people you want, you want to work with, you want to hire who just figure out problems. I mean, um, if, you, if you look at coach, like, you know, Cuban boxers, why is why they dominated for so many years, right? Or Kenyan runners. There's no other option. Yeah. If you, if you I, want it out of Cuba, there's no other option for that. You know, and even with baseball, you know, they, 
you know, people would say like, you know, uh, Dominican Republic or, or Cuban baseball players like they didn't travel. No, they traveled. They would walk to the field and walk home every single day. And just knowing that, look, there's no other option to it. And when you remove all the other options, all the other distractions, man, you become laser focused. Yeah. So um, I, I watched you also. You've written seven books. When I first met you, you hadn't written any. And how have you, you know, taken that focus to your work, right? How do you work with people and write books and be ambitious? And I remember you were like, I, I think I remember talking to you. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I was like, and then I'm going to send this book out to so many people every day. So you have a plan and you're executing and, and you're so ambitious about that. You know, talk to us about that process for you and just this relentless drive you have to, to grow your business, to grow yourself and to challenge yourself. Yeah. The, um, the process, I, I was a horrible writer, like in high school. And I think now maybe like I'm an okay writer. Like I can put together, you know, some sentences and make it quick and to the point. But I'm like the only kind of books that I'll be able to write are like airplane books. I want somebody to get on the airplane in Indianapolis, fly to Orlando and, and be done, you know, or be able to finish it that night. Right, right. Because I'm not that smart. And I think, man, we just got to have like simple is powerful. The process for doing it started really in grad school where I heard uh, from Dan Check, who was a mentor of mine. He just said, look, you just got to write one hour every day. Mm -hmm. he said, like you don't need to do like a grind session of like five hours of writing. He said one hour every day. And that's where then it's like um, you don't need to be crazy about your preparation, but you got to be consistent. And that's the thing. And that's the only way that I've written the books is one hour every day. And it's structure and everything is like a workout. And I think if we approach everything as like a workout, every workout ends. It's not all gonna, always going to be great, but it's, uh, it, it, you know, it, it you have a structure around it and that's how it works. And then the habits there and, and you get it done. And, uh, you know, there's been many times with the book that I haven't been able to write anything for that day. And it's just been research and seeing what, what sticks and what applies. And, um, I've always felt, I mean, I feel I've got something to say, not, may not be great, you know, but I feel in my heart of hearts that, yeah, man, this, this holds water. This is true. People need to know this. That is not about the setback, that it is about the comeback. That's what really matters in life. You know, people need to realize and understand that, um, bad stuff's going to happen. It's always, and, and that's the cliche, right? It's always about, Hey, how we respond to it, right? Like fall down seven, like, get up. Yeah. Right. Right. Love that one. What they never told us though, coach is when we fall down for that seventh time, we remember the third, fourth and fifth time we fell and how painful that was and all the head trash then that starts coming back and filling it in there. And then it starts affecting our identity again. Right. And then we start questioning, can I do it? And, and that's the mental struggle that we've got to overcome. Like that was something we were never told. It was just about fall down seven, get up eight. Oh, it sounds great. Okay. That's all I got to do. But, but we bring all the baggage along with us too. So it's like, it's those sort of things. I think helping people realize it and, um, you know, being told that you're not good enough, like being told you're not good enough through, through somebody else or your circumstance. It's a blessing. It's a real blessing, man, because Every successful person that I've always come across, man, there was somebody that said, you can't do it. You're not good enough. That's a bad idea. And then how did that strive to, to make them great? And it didn't become the sole motivation. It just became that's, that's a hinge moment. That's a defining moment for them that you were either going to agree with that negative voice 
or your circumstance, or you're going to agree with yourself and fall through on your vision. So it's those sort of things, man. That's like that, that those sort of things fire me up and, and hinge moments and, and preparing for those and like the importance of mental toughness. That's what I'm all about. You're getting me fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm nice, running through man. a wall here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love what you said about the hour, though, because I've you know heard Jerry Seinfeld is like, I got to write a joke a day. Yep. This one joke a day. And you write a joke a day for 30 days. Now you have 30 jokes and you have you have you have some bits. Right. And like you just keep working on and refining them. So um, and then James Clear wrote Atomic Habits. Right. And he talked about the same thing, getting in the groove, finding your space, being consistent. You've said it before. Great advice. Be consistent. Show up. And you don't, it's not, it's not, you're going to not going to write a book in a day. It's going to take you a while and you'd be committed. So that's great stuff. And it's, uh, you know, I just love to hear your success story about that. Um, I do want to, I'm going to bring out this story because I love this story. We talked about an official and I'm going to butcher it. So I'm going to let you tell that story when you do make a mistake and how you, how you rebound, rebound from that. So. Would you be willing to share that story with us? Yeah, it's a good one, Coach. So that was that was in the hinge, you know, the yeah. importance of mental toughness. And it all got back to, like, how do officials refocus? And when they go through their training, you know, there's, um, you know, 180 plays in a football game. And, you know, even before instant replay, which we think it helps them, but not always, right? Because then they're a little bit hesitant to make the call or not make the call because they, again, the commitment, they have the backup, you know, they have that safety net. And if they're 180 plays in that that football game and they make a mistake, and I love talking with zebras that, you know, they call it like uh, fishing out of their pond. So if somebody's going to be in the backfield and they call like a holding call and it wasn't like their call, um, that's called fishing out of their pond. And they can make it. And that's where like the mistakes get made because they're not doing like necessarily their job. And so when a mistake gets made in SEC officials, the way they would train them, was to actually have that physical refocus cue that when the mistakes get done, you, you have to refocus on that next play. So it was going through the physical piece of taking their hat off, getting big, getting big, I think oh. is huge. And, you know, I always talk about with athletes, like being your program height, right? Like your mm-hmm. program says you're six, five, man, when you're really six, three, man, be six, five, you know, yeah. be as tall and be as big as possible. So they would get big take off that hat. And then when they would put that hat on, then they would get in that power position. That power position was telling them, man, you know, now getting ready. And as painful as it is, it's being able to get focused and not think about that outcome or what that review is going to be and in the dial in. And that's the most difficult mental skill, in my opinion, is being able to let go of mistakes and move on. Yeah, I like the the power pose position. I hadn't heard that part of the story before, and I, I would agree. I think just reestablishing because, like, we know how we move, like the brain and the body they work together, and so how you move dictates to what your brain says, and how what your brain says to your body is how you move. So they're just interconnected, and, and I hadn't heard the power pose part of that. So yeah, I mean, it's like confidence is a feeling. Yeah. Yeah, like I'll have people that disagree with it, you know, but when I say confidence is a feeling, you just feel it. You just know. We're yeah. not thinking about it. We don't need to necessarily pump ourselves up. You just know. And when it's not thoughts, with confidence, when we lose confidence, coach, it turns into thoughts. Now we're thinking too much. It doesn't necessarily mean the thoughts are bad, but now we're just not in 
as much flow as we need to be because we're trying to think our way through it. And, um, you know, you don't want athletes thinking and performing at the same time, right? You just want them going back to their training, man, going back to their habits, knowing what they do and trusting it. And so that's why I always say if confidence is a feeling, then we know what confidence when we're not confident, you know, how small we can feel and not as big. And that's where I think, man, that's the, that's the instant way. It's a very simple way in those moments, man, is make sure you're big, make sure that power pose is there, make sure uh, your body language is, is screaming and not just, you know, whispering. Yeah, I stole that from you. Body language doesn't talk, it screams. Do I have that right? Yeah, sometimes it swears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a clean podcast, so we won't do that here today. So okay. hopefully the kids listen, you know, I, I think like, they, I think they do. So, well, Dr. Bell, we're going to ask you some, uh, some questions. Some yeah. will get faster as we go here. All right. So Can I have one more thing call before we get into the questions. Yeah. Well, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. All right. Cause you, you mentioned something there. It's like in the age we're in, there is not one piece of information that we can't have access to. Like if you want to learn everything about James Clear that there is and everything that he said, you can go and you can get it. You know I mean? you, And yeah. so the information that we can get, there's no reason why we shouldn't like know it. And it's not like the knowledge is a problem. Like we know it, but man, that takes an active way of every single day on the way to the pool. I'm going to listen to, you know, this audio book. I'm going to listen to this podcast. And then we start marinating our mind with that positivity and that confidence that we need from people who have overcome stuff. I think that's how that mental game also takes, takes hold. So sorry about the tangent, man. I just get fired up on it. No, no. And I would agree. I think, you know, anytime you're doing a sport, you know, your state going in, are you in that right place? Um, you know, I know even when I go on the golf course, it's like, okay, I got it. I'm going to make some bad shots, going to make some good shots, but like, how do I get in that state when I go to work out? How do I get in that state? And I think even when I was swimming, you, you don't realize how important it is the environment that you're in. And you've, I think you got to take control of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I know at the pool, my goal is to make the environment conducive to great performances and great workouts. Like we have words on the wall. Okay. Who, 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 who do I want to be? Uh, the records, the Olympic flag, these things are inspiring and they let you know uh, to be surrounded by it. I think it's just, it's just so important. And yeah, get yourself in that mental state, music, reading, ins- inspirational stories. It's everywhere. But you, and I think that I'll, I'll kind of ask you about this before we get to the questions, but like it is the signal right? There's information everywhere, but how do we as athletes and as coaches take the information and how do we know what's a signal? How do we know what's BS? Cause it's everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you, anything, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is there anything that you're looking for or help athletes kind of sift through the, all the stuff that's out there in the world? And that's the difficult, right? Cause there's so yeah. much distraction and there is yep. so much information. Yeah. It's, it's literally, I, I, as a grown male, with two kids, now a teenager, I can't handle the information. Like right. I can't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I just, I realize that in my mind, like if I'm going to listen to a news station or sports radio for 15 minutes, I'm going to get fired up. I'm going to get agitated. But the difficulty is, is now I'm going into the situation. I haven't used the transition. Now I'm going into that situation and I'm just a little bit off, you know, I'm a little bit agitated and I might not even be aware of it. And then I'm like, why am I agitated? 
and the difficulty is, is there's so much negativity that's going to be out there, so much opinions that um, it takes what five positive interactions, five positive touch points to overcome that one negative one. And if you think about it in your day, man, I mean, if if you're hanging out with negative people all the time, they're going to drag you down. They want want you to know, you know, and it's the victim, right? It's the victim mentality that we've got that it, it draws my ire so much because it's like you're responsible for it. And that's the best part is you get to. And when we start blaming others or situations, I hear it all the time, man. Uh, when we try passing the buck onto somebody else that we've not taken ownership of it and then it becomes easier to do it next time. And so my thing is, is we just, you simply have to cut that stuff out and realize, man, what am I feeding my mind? What am I marinating that steak with, right? What am I marinating my mind with that's going to help me? And it's people, places, and things, man. If I'm hanging out at bad places, I'm hanging out with bad people and listen to bad stuff, it's going to affect me. And it's yeah. not and it, it, like Rome wasn't built in a day, but it wasn't destroyed in a day either, man. It's a slow fade that we don't necessarily are aware of it unless, again, we have coaches pointing it out or, or uh, we're listening to the, the information that is going to help us and empower us. It's great stuff, Dr. Bell. All right, man. I'm ready for the questions, coach. Okay. All right. Um, if you could, I know you're a runner, so I'll ask you this. And if you could go run with anybody, any time in history, who would you go run with? Boy, that's a good one, coach. Who would I go run with? Man, I mean, anybody in history, man. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd like to run with Jesus, man. Okay. I think that would be awesome. On, yeah. on the, on the, uh, what running through like the uh, Sea of Galilee or something like that, or like on the sea, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, what are three songs on your playlist now that get you excited? <laughs> so the Hamilton soundtrack, basically anything on Hamilton, always okay. gets me excited because my daughter loves it, and it's just like it's always what we've got. And it's always the last song that I listen to is what's going to be in my head when running. Um, and I love playing out with different things, man. It's uh, There's one song, Fugazi, it's called Waiting Room. It's always been my pump-up song. Um, so I think those are two, man. So Hamilton and Fugazi. And um, I like... Um, um, Man, I can't remember. It's Camp Peach Fuzz. I think it's a great song. All right. Well, I love they got Hamilton on there. I haven't oh, heard that one yet. <laughs> well, you haven't? I mean, that's. I think it's the closest thing to perfection I've ever seen in my life. Oh, okay. I, mean, I need to go see the show then. Oh, coach, it really is, man. I mean, and I, okay. but I love history as well, man. So like, I'm right, all right, right. That stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, what song would you least like to pop up during practice? Okay, that's an easy one, right? Good Risen by Green Day. Oh, you're tired of that song. Okay. Oh, man, I hate, hate that song. <laughs> and it's played at every graduation, right? Right, right, like, right. I can't, right, yeah, can't exactly. take it, man. All right, I'm going to ask you some swimming questions. I know you did some swimming at some time here. So uh, you're going in the deep end or shallow end? Deep end. Okay, water that's too warm or too cold? Too cold. Um. If I, 
you swim masters, would you go first or last in the lane? You have a lot of swimmers who just like to start last and work their way up to the front. So right, man. I mean, you know, I was never whenever I got moved to a faster lane, man, it would cause a little bit of anxiety and I would <laughs> never felt I was good enough to lead off, you know, and even though that's okay. a challenge athletes to do. So I would but but last creates sort of that uh that pressure too, man. <laughs> Not to get lapped, right? Right, you know? <laughs> right. And that would happen a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, discrepancy yeah. between me and then somebody that's really good, you know, I'm, I'm getting lapped yeah. and I'm feeling yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I'd say start it off. Yeah, start it off. Okay. And, All right. good. and uh, what's your favorite uh, Gatorade or Powerade color, flavor? Lemon lime. Lemon lime. Classic. You're a classic mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, what's mine? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, I've gotten on this grape fierce grape kick lately. Okay. Yeah, um, I think growing up though, I like the yeah it was lemon lime or cherry. I think you know I always like to sometimes I like to mix them up. You know, mix and right. match. Yeah. You know, we had a, I remember we had a tr uh, a trainer, and I was like, hey man, mix those two together. Like he had we had a concoction. You know, I always always mixed it up. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I think back then Gatorade was just pure sugar when we were when I was in college, so it was just mixing of sugars, right? Yeah. Um, anything you want to uh, tell the audience to finish up? What are you doing? What's going on? What advice you got to to leave with? I can always say this, Coach, and this is what I end with, man: is no matter how bad our situation is, right? No matter how bleak an outcome looks that we are all preparing for that one moment, one person or one event that's going to make all the difference in our lives. We just don't know when that's coming, right? We can't connect the dots in life looking forward. We can only connect the dots looking backwards and seeing the impact that one person had, that one moment had. That's what we're preparing for. And no matter how bad our situation is, it's only going to take one. It takes one race, man, one practice for everything to come together. Right. That's what we're getting ready for. And that's what the hinge is all about. This is awesome. I, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go today. Uh, this is going to be a great day for me. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. And, yep. Yeah, uh, You got a website you want to send people to? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, DrRobBell.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram uh, you know, and Twitter uh, at DrRobBell. Puke and Rally book is the, the latest one. So appreciate you having me on, Coach. Yep. Thanks for coming on.